Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I have with me today a very special guest, and I am delighted to welcome Jonathan Kaiser to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you, Jonathan. And one reason I'm so excited to have Jonathan with me today is he has a new book that I have read, studied, and just love called um, You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win. And I just not only love that title, but I love the approach that he has um, built into that process. He is the founder of Kaiser, which is a commercial real estate company in Scottsdale, Arizona. And it has been an Inc. 5000 company. And I think you've had multiple awards, if I'm not mistaken, for being one of the 10 best places to work. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen by accident. Mm -hmm. There has to be a culture that causes people to enjoy being a part of that organization. Yes, That's one of the things that I am really looking forward to getting into with Jonathan today because he has had amazing success in not just creating principles, but living by them and getting everyone in his company to buy into and live by those. And Jonathan, I have to tell you, I think that's rare, don't you? I do, unfortunately. Um, And in in today's world, I think it is somewhat of an, an anomaly, but through the Kaiser Institute, that's our goal is to change that. Yes. And that's the other thing I love about what you're doing. You are expanding this outside of your company to the entire commercial real estate industry and also other industries. So we will talk about that a little bit later, but let's back up a minute. I want to get you to talk a little bit about your journey just briefly. Where did you start and how did you get to the point that you are today? Yeah, my, uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's an honor to be uh, part of this podcast. And uh, for all of you listening, um, I promise I won't waste your time. Um, My journey to selfless was different from most. I was raised by parents who taught me to love and serve. My parents were Christian missionaries, and I grew up when I was a kid overseas in Papua New Guinea. And from an early age, they pounded into me this idea that you got to love and serve and help and give. The problem is, is that we were poor and I hated being poor, Meredith. It was, it was a a miserable thing as a child to see other kids. When I got back from overseas, I realized in an instant, wow, there's a bunch of kids that have a lot more stuff than I do. And so I had this sense of being poor. So I decided at a young age look, obviously this giving and serving and helping stuff doesn't work because we're so poor. Mm. So I'm going to go do what it takes to be successful. So I got into commercial real estate because a buddy of mine said I could make a lot of money. And as I got in, I realized really quickly, wow, this is a cutthroat, ruthless industry. So I became ruthless because I believed that I wanted uh, 
success more than I cared about living the way that I was raised. And while I had some success, I was miserable, as you can imagine. I was misaligned with my core values mm -hmm. and I just felt trapped. I didn't feel like there was a, there was a, I didn't know that there could be another way. And then 15 years ago, I go to this conference and this guy gets up and he starts talking about service and he starts talking about helping people. And he starts talking about how you could create success by helping other people create success. And I was blown away. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, is that really true? Is that, does that really work? Or is that just something you say to get up on stages to sound cool? And he said, no, it's really what I do. And it's really what I work. And so I said, well, I'm going to do that in Arizona. I'm going to, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to learn how to do this and I'm going to go implement a selfless model within commercial real estate in Arizona. And so that was about 15 years ago and I came back and reinvented myself and it was a long, hard road, Meredith, as you read about in the book, it was, you know, everybody thought I'd gone crazy. Here I was national rookie of the year for Grubb and Ellis. And then now I'm out doing what looks like free concierge services to the community, just connecting people, helping them find jobs, helping their kids get opportunities, all kinds of things that looked nothing like commercial real estate. But what I was doing is I was developing relationships, which over the long run has really served me back. And, you know, now today uh, we've formed the largest firm of our kind in the state around these ideals, right? You talked about uh, in the pre podcast discussion about our 15 core operating principles. Once I figured out and got through the, the five years of not making a lot of money of figuring this out. And I started to have a lot of success doing it business this way. Um, I had an epiphany moment in 2012 where I realized, wow, this is the opportunity to do more than just help me be successful. If I could teach other people how they could be successful through this idea of selfless service as a business strategy, they could be successful as well in it. And oh my goodness, maybe I could actually change the world and show that at the end of the day, you don't have to be ruthless to win. So that was my epiphany in 2012 and created a company out of 15 core operating principles. And now it's, 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 it's surreal. Like I'm flying to Baltimore and to uh, DC tomorrow to do, to be a guest on morning shows and it's just the whole hitting Wall Street Journal number one and Amazon in seven categories for my book, You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win. But it all comes back to this idea of the more that you help others succeed, the more that you succeed. Now, it is the long game, right? We're not looking for yes. instant gratification or get rich quick. If that's what you're looking for, you can turn this off now because that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about long-term sustainable success. And what I've found is that the more you invest in helping other people, the more that you create success for yourself. And so that's the whole point of the book is rather than feeling like you have to go look out for number one, scratch, claw, fight your way to the top. And then once you get there, you're exhausted and tired, but you're like, okay, I made it. And now I'm going to go spend my time giving back. What if you could do both? What if you could have an integrated life where you spend your time serving and helping others? They in return spend their time trying to help you back. And you have this ex 
extraordinary existence where you have financial success, you have amazing relationships, you can sleep at night because you're not doing the things that your mother taught you not to, et cetera, et cetera. So um, for me, it's obviously, I get excited about it. It's a mission that I'm thrilled to be a part of. And I, as I look back, it's hard for me to believe as a young missionary kid that one day I'd be doing morning shows in DC and have a Wall Street Journal bestselling book and be on this amazing podcast with you. And to me, all of that is a testament to the fact that this isn't about me. I'm just a guy. This is about this idea that's bigger than all of us that you truly can create extraordinary success through service. And if you focus on helping other people succeed over the long run, you will succeed. And I love that, Jonathan. And one of the reasons I resonated so strongly with your idea of selfless service is because I believe in my core being of service to others is the way to perform and help the world become a, a better place. Yes. And I know that you didn't go through this and come to all of this by yourself. You had two coaches who I have admired for a long time, Steve Chandler and Steve Hardison. And I know that many of our listeners are coaches. And so I would think it, I think it would be really valuable for you just to spend a couple minutes talking about how they influenced your thinking and your actions in this journey to forming your company and building what you're building today. You bet, you bet. <clears throat> and I talk about them, as you mentioned, a lot in my book. And for all of you coaches out there, I'm a huge fan. And one of the things that... I tell people all the time is I wouldn't be here without the coaches that have helped me in my life. And as I write about in the book, the transformative process that working with a really good coach guides you through is, is extraordinary. And I was, I was very blessed to have both Steve Chandler and Steve Hardison. And today I have a lifetime contract with Steve Hardison and so the summary that I would say there is my favorite part about having a coach is that they help you see things about yourself from a, from both sides of the coin, from a possibility standpoint that maybe you don't see because you have this mindset you were raised with that's limiting or from a things that are, that you're doing to get in your own way standpoint. And I've been the recipient of both of those. And so, yes, I'm a huge believer in, in, in coaches now, I think that there are a lot of coaches out there who uh, call themselves coaches without really investing the time to become an extraordinary coach. And so I was fortunate to have amazing coaches. And what, you know, in my book, I talk a lot about how that impact happened and what they did to really help me. But the truth is, I would not be here without them. And I rely on my weekly coaching session with my coach to help me stay focused, stay exactly where I need to be, make sure I'm thinking big enough, make sure that I'm not squandering opportunities in front of me, working on my own mindset, making sure that I'm, um, you know, I'm not harboring things inside that are getting in the way of success, et cetera. So yeah, I could, I could talk about that for hours, but I feel like the only reason I'm here is because I've been able to stand on the shoulders of giants. And for those of you out there who are helping other people in that way, I thank you for it. Well, one of the things I wanted to tap into where you were talking about one of your sessions with Hardison mm. was he was really pushing you to think about service yes. and the motive 
behind your focus on service because initially you thought you were doing it right but because of his coaching you realized that your motives weren't as pure as you thought they were so yeah i realized a little bit about that Mm -hmm. yeah well the reality is is when i learned about this new technique this idea i thought of it just like that a technique a different way of creating success and so i was focused on the end justifying the means, right? If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna get there, then I wanna do this stuff to get where I wanna get to. But in the process, what my coach Steve helped me realize is that I was just doing another form of manipulating. I was just doing another form of selling. And I wasn't really serving people. I was keeping track. It was more like trading, but the other person doesn't realize you're trading until they've already received. And it's creepy and it's gross. And I didn't realize I was doing that. And so once he helped me see that I was, I had this huge epiphany moment where I just went, wow, that was ugly. Like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the, the, the person doing that. How do I be different? And so having him help me get to a place of pure service has been extraordinary in my life. And that leads me to your very first principle, which is about we serve. I mean, yeah. to me, that's the core underpinning of everything you do. It is. Your company, the selfless service. Talk a little bit about what that, what does that look like? And what do you mean when you say it's not about me? Sure. So it's very simple, Meredith. And I think a lot of people get caught up in this. And there's this idea that the, I, the word service somehow is tied to, you know, religion or it's tied to some sort of uh, submissive state. And I don't, I don't view it that way as, at all. I think that we all know how to love. We all know how to serve. We do it in our family lives. We do it with our kids. We do it in our social circles. And then we get into business and we feel like we need to be different and we feel like we need to go fight, fight, fight and stand up for number one and win, win, win. And in the process, we abandon all those things that really create those extraordinary relationships. And so if the key to any business, if you're a coach and you want more clients, the key to getting clients is to have people that can one, know about you, but to trust that you're going to be able to help them and see you as a better alternative than the many other opportunities they have, both coaches, courses, whatever. And so for me, what I tell people is service is not a technique. It's not a tactic. What service is, is it's a mindset. It's an approach. It's how you do things. So whatever I'm doing, my thought process, I've trained myself to have a thought process be, how can I help this person? And that's all I spend my time doing. And I don't ask for anything in return. And what's amazing about that mindset is that the more you do it, the more you blow people away and the more people like you and the more that they want to help you back. And when you do that everywhere you go, people start talking and they start telling other people, have you heard about that Jonathan Kaiser guy? No, what's he? Well, he just helps everybody. If you need anything, just call him. The guy's crazy enough just to help you. And so what it does is it creates this groundswell effect of people telling people about you. And then when you do get a client, then you do the same thing. You try to figure out how you can push more value across the table for whatever they're paying you in fees so that they think that you're the greatest deal in the world and they want to go tell all their friends about you. And so it becomes this organic process where each act of service enables a relationship that creates a future potential opportunity, both with the individual or any of their uh, circle of influence. 
And that's what we've done here. And so, you know, we don't have a sales and marketing function here at Kaiser. We serve, we help, we give, we go above and beyond. And it comes back in spades. It comes back in, 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 in introductions from other people and people telling people everywhere I go now. No, here, here's the, here's the funniest part about all this Meredith for me is back in the day when I was a ruthless and I was, for those of you who have, my book is worth the read. <laughs> I'm not saying that because it's my book, but this book is something like you've never read before. And I describe in self-scathing detail how I used to be this ruthless and all the things I used to do. And I give you kind of, I peel back the onion and let you see under the, under the, under the sheets on what it's like in the commercial real estate brokerage industry. And then I described how we've trans created a, a, a company that's transforming the industry. But all of it, all of this all comes back to your question, which is at the end of the day, the reason why people like us, the reason why people say nice things about us is because all we're trying to do is help other people. When I was trying to just be a man after things for myself, people kind of thought I was an arrogant and guess what? I was. But now I go around and I just help as many people as possible and everybody treats me like I'm a nice guy. It's the funniest thing in the world. And so it's like the, the counterintuitive nature of, of trust creation. I mean, that's really what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. What's the fastest? Was, uh, Stephen Covey talks about speed of trust. What's the fastest way for someone to trust you? for you to go above and beyond and help and serve them. But we're all kind of afraid to do that because we think we're going to be taken advantage of. It's my experience that sure, are there people that have taken advantage of me? I guess if you want to say that, I suppose that's true, but I don't even view it that way because I don't think the universe can handle an imbalance. And even if my act of service isn't reciprocated in one place, it comes to me from some random other place. And so I don't have to worry about the receiving. I just got to worry about the giving. And I think if everybody in a service or sales mindset took, you know, you don't have to go be radical and transform yourself as I did and go broke in the process, just on every meeting or conversation or phone call that you're going to have, just come to it from a, how can I push as much value across the table as possible to this person? How can I really help them? How do I really listen to them? How do I ask questions as coaches? You know, how do you ask questions that really get to the heart of the matter versus dancing in the surface level, which doesn't do anything, right? right? I think a lot of coaches are content to do that. Mine aren't. Mine dive super deep. Well, and that is so important because you become memorable just because you ask questions that no one else asks because most people are waiting for their turn to talk and aren't aren't interested in really going that deep. It's putting themselves vulnerable as well as not being sure how to respond to the answers they might get. Yeah. But there were some stories you told in your book about members of your team that help illustrate this. And one of them had to do with a health situation. The wife of one of the people he was talking to had a serious illness. And would you just share that? Because to me, that's an idea of something totally unrelated to providing services related to your business that has a huge emotional impact on the other person. Yes. Yeah. And, and in coaching, it can be a little challenging to, if you're working with individuals, there's a lot of things that are in your, in your purview, right? You're helping them across the spectrum. So I can see how the question might be a little bit 
more nuanced for the coaching world versus my world where it's very clear that what I do is I help companies negotiate office leases and I help them roll out medical facilities or retail sites across the country. And so for me to go in and say, hey, let me help you by becoming your broker and negotiating your deal, that's not what I'm describing. And the example you describe, which is, you know, all of the examples in the book are, they're, they're true, but they're also illustrative of hundreds of those exact same kinds that we've done in different situations. So they're not like one off, although they are because each act of service matters, but they're, they're categories, if you want to say it that way, mm-hmm. of, of different ways that we help people. And that's what you're just kind of leading at. One of the things that we always want to try to do is use our vast resources of contacts to help people when they're in a time of need. Now, that could be when their spouse has a medical issue. That could be when their kid has a problem. That could be when, you know, they have something where they need some legal help. Whatever it is, it's like knowing the people that are in a lot of different categories that can help people can be very useful. In this situation, the uh, potential client's wife was dying of a, a rare blood disease and he was relatively new to town having been relocated from another state and he was having trouble getting to the right doctor for her and it was quite serious. And so we spent the time to figure out who the right doctor would be, figure out how to get access to her and then made the connection and got her in to see her quickly. And that made a difference in extending, she's since passed, but it made a difference in extending her life uh, significantly. And our client or our, our friend became a client and couldn't believe that we would be willing to do something so kind, right? I mean, when people are in a time of need, that's when they need help the most. And yet that's when most people run. That's when most people are saying, call me when it's all rosy and I don't have to deal with your nonsense and, and you have a big deal for me instead of relationships, people, service, people in times of need, which for executives is often a time of transition, right? You get laid off from a job. What do you do? People call me in Arizona, right? Because they know that I'll help them get connected or they call my team. Um, when you have a family member going through an issue, right, that can be devastating and completely distract you from what's going on at the office. Um, having someone who is in a situation personally, I, I've, I've helped a lot of people with personal challenges where they come to me cause they don't know who else to talk to. And we have a meeting in a private room and they're, you know, they're weeping and, and, and they're bearing their soul and they need someone who can really help them. I know for all you coaches out there, that's a common thing for all of you. Um, but being able to be present with those people without judgment and to really come from a place of how do I serve this person to the, to the maximum, I think to me is the secret of long-term sustainable relationships. And so while we do an amazing job negotiating real estate deals for our clients and our clients appreciate us just for that, what really people value is the fact that they know that no matter what it is, we're going to be there. We're going to help them and they can call us with anything. And it's that mindset of service to the people you wanna be of service to that really creates those 
sticky relationships where they don't want to use another coach, use another commercial real estate broker, et cetera. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, there's so much we could say about service. I want to cover a few of the other principles because all 15 of them are really worth studying. But I was struck with number five Mm. because we expect to win every single time. And um, this whole idea of... um, that mindset of being the best. And so in the context of service being the underlying piece, talk a little bit about why and how you are having that winning attitude and, and really maybe tie it into number three of being bold. Also, I think very related. Yeah, you bet. Well, you know, number three is we're bold and fearless and not afraid of making a mistake. We never punish mistakes. Right. So and it all ties back to number one as well, because from a service standpoint, the reason why we expect to win is because we know that we're going to serve better than anyone else. And we prove that all throughout the process. And so if they're really looking for someone who's going to do the best for them, we know that we're it because we're the most committed. We're the ones that are most willing to do the most. Um, and we're afraid, we're not afraid of taking bold action as it relates to how to do that. So we're transparent, we're bold, we're honest, and we try to go so far above and beyond that our competitors would go, I don't even want their clients because what those Kaiser people do for their clients is crazy above and beyond. And I don't want to have to do all that. So we'll go find some other clients. So it's this idea of being so committed to another individual that no matter what your mindset is, I'm going to win because I'm going to do more. I'm going to bring more value. I'm going to push more opportunities your way. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be more committed. And thinking about bringing people on your team that have that kind of a mindset, what do you look for in in the characteristics when they come to you? Because I know you're very committed also to development. That's another principle. But what is it that is most important to you when you're interviewing something around this, having a winning attitude and being committed to being the best? Coachability is huge for us, right? Willingness to not be right all the time. If there's one thing I know, it's that the older I get, the more I realize how little I know. And so I think from a mindset standpoint, the, the humility involved in, um, not having all the answers is a big one we look for. We also look for someone who really resonates with the service message. And you can tell, you could see it in their eyes and you can listen to their speech and listen to the writing. And so unlike traditional commercial real estate firms that are looking for the alpha males that are just out to dominate, dominate, what we're looking for is people that really care about serving other people that really want to do good in the world and that bring a skill set and competence level to perform at the highest levels. So it's a high bar. It's, you know, think of it like a Navy SEAL. We're not, we're not for everybody. We're, we're looking for the, the best and the brightest and the few that are willing to commit their life to service and do something extraordinary. And what's been most amazing is by creating a culture that's so distinctly clear around what we stand for and what we don't, that that's what we tend to attract because those individuals then go, oh my gosh, I've been looking for that my entire life. Uh, I can't believe I just found you. Um, Let's roll kind of thing versus um, trying to 
trying to compete over, you know, compensation or time off or things like that. People, people join Kaiser because of the alignment around the mission and of the culture we've created internally with everybody working together as a team for the benefit of all. And that is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And it's part of why I love what I do. Well, that reminds me, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but one of the things I really enjoyed about the structure of your book is for each principle, you, you talk about how it applies at the individual level within the company to contribute to an overall healthy culture, and then also how it applies when you interact with clients and customers. And I think that's a fabulous structure because sometimes when you focus on one aspect of it, it's hard to think about, well, how would this apply over here? Yes. And one of my other favorite revolution, I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. No, go ahead. We we call it the inside out revolution, right? The three levels of reinvention. You got to start with yourself. You got to be the change you want to see in the world, as Gandhi said. So you got to start here. And that's where the personal development comes in. Principle 10, right? And then when you go into your company culture, you have to create that same culture within your organization. And so we teach you how to do that in my book. And then the third is how do you actually do this in the community? You know, one of my good friends, John Mackey, who this is his book right here, he uh, writes in Conscious Capitalism about how there's these stakeholders that are beyond just your shareholders that are all the people you do business with, your community partners, your vendors, et cetera, and making sure that you're treating them with the same level of service. It's my opinion that it takes that three part inside yourself, company culture, and community collaborators to really uh, affect significant, meaningful change and to create long-term sustainable success. Because you can't be fake. You can't be one thing one place and another thing another place. And I am far from perfect, and and, and nobody in my organization is. But what we are is extraordinarily committed to this ideology, and that's that's what matters to us. That's great. Well, having a a software company as I have over the last 25 years, and one of our tools being for 360 degree feedback, of course, I was really intrigued with number 12 being coachable, because a lot of that has to do with how open are you to getting feedback? Um, and, And when you behave in a way that isn't consistent with what we're looking for. So I'm also curious to know, uh, because so many companies haven't created a feedback culture that when they do something like a 360, it's like, what am I going to hear? What am I going to see? But what it sounds like you have going on on a day-to-day basis is this openness of giving honest feedback to someone and also having it received graciously. Is that accurate? Yes, very much so. And it starts with you as a leader. Right. And so a lot of coaches aren't open for feedback themselves. A lot of CEOs aren't open for feedback. So the way that I look at principle 12 is it's me. And if I'm not living it, if I'm not being hundred percent coachable, no one else is going to be. And so with all of these principles, I mean, one of the cool things about my book is that I took everything I've learned on how you could create a selfless organization and put it into this book. And as part of that, my trials and errors, uh, so you don't have to go through those, as well as how we actually implement it. I did a, when I did a rough draft of this book before it was completed, the biggest feedback that I got from people that reviewed it was, there's not enough how-to in it. So as we work to make it better and improve it before we published it, 
we've tried to pack it full with here's exactly how you can do it. Here's some, some tips and tools and resources and, and other books. And here's some um, lots of case studies and examples because the idea is it's, there's a lot of companies with principles that do nothing about it. We want, you know, our vision, my mission is I want to create a Fortune 100 company that completely transforms commercial real estate brokerage and business as we know it through this idea of success through service. I personally believe that selfless service is the greatest business principle of all time. And my goal is to show people that, look, at the end of the day, sure, like my book title, you don't have to be ruthless to win. So how do you actually do that? That sounds almost cliche. I get it, Jonathan. That sounds nice. How do I actually do that? And so that's what this book was created. Whether you ever engage with us on the, on the Kaiser Institute side or, or we ever, ever interface again, I wanted you, the reader, or you, the listener, to have everything in your power for how specifically we've created this distinct culture of selflessness within an industry and within a, an organization or a group of organizations that tend to be the exact opposite. So how have we done it? Well, we've done it around 15 core operating principles. And for each, we teach you exactly how to do it for yourself, for the company culture, and for the collaboratives. And at the end of the day, they all work together to create this extraordinary culture that we call Kaiser. And so our vision in the future is for Kaiser to be the most trusted brand in the world and people to know that in any interaction with, with a Kaiser individual, that you will be, somebody will be there trying to help you as much as they possibly can. And that for us is the joy of it all. And as we're working on all that, all these other things happen that, 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 uh, create success for us as people want to help us back. But we're not doing it for that reciprocation. We're doing it because we love to serve. And then the benefits of it are we get great relationships, we make a lot of money, et cetera. So, you know, it's that idea of tying success to service, of give and you shall receive. Mm -hmm. And rather than ruthlessly fighting for number one, as I used to do, uh, spending your life focused on helping other people and then reaping the rewards of that over time. Well, you know, some of the folks that are our listeners love being of service to their clients. And the idea of selling, <clears throat> promoting themselves is rather challenging for them. And one of the things that I thought was so great about your book is it relieves that pressure yes. of perceiving yourself in this role as a salesperson when you're thinking of being of service, talk about that a little bit in terms sure. of- Sure, I think how, that's a short, that's short simple that. answer. It's, it's if you have a prospective client, the best way to get them as a client is to just start serving them already. Just help them and they'll be like, man, I can't live without you. I want more of you versus like trying to sell yourself and how great you've been. And then once they finally pay you, then you'll agree to start serving them. It's, it's, it's ass backwards, right? It's like serve first give first. And if you really are as good as you say you are, they're going to want more. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, tell us a little bit more as we're wrapping up here about your new institute. Who would be um, an ideal person to work with you and, and get to know more about that? Sure. So we're designing it for the Kaiser Institute is designed to train, empower, and ultimately certify the next generation of selfless leader. So it's designed to create, think of it like a, a, a black belt in Six Sigma or even like an MBA or something like that where you get a certification for being a selfless leader. And it's hard to get, 
easy to lose, extreme accountability. But the idea is that we'll have progressive coursework along the way. So kind of the toe in the water, sign up and go, you know, read the book and you're like, I want more. Okay. So then we'll have a, you know, online series, then we'll have workshops, then we'll have personalized stuff. So it's whatever level you want, we're here to help. And it's, this is my labor of love. It's designed to help create selfless leaders that then could go out into the world and bring this culture, this culture of service to their organizations. And my ultimate goal is to have people go, wow, that crazy Jonathan Kaiser was actually onto something because ever since I, you know, put my company through the Kaiser Institute, my success has gone up 30% to 40% or 100%. And then it's also designed for leaders who are helping other leaders to identify where they could become more selfless in their service. I think a lot of people get the concept and know how to do it at some level, but part of what we do is train that deep level of service where you're really scratching some itches that, that uh, have never been tapped into. And as coaching, you know, as coaching, as a coaching client myself, it's that deep interaction that touches my soul in places where no one else has ever had access that enables me to get access to myself that really is the most meaningful work I do. But, but to get there to, as a coach, to be able to provide that level of service requires extraordinary commitment to one self-improvement of yourself mm -hmm. and then two, the willingness to serve this other individual. So it's basically the same answer to the question I already answered around principle five and principle three. It's that same thing. It's like, how do you bring the very best self to the interaction? That very best self is a constant work. I'm a work in progress. Every week, my coach helps me realize some dumbass thing I've done this week that I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I not see that before? But it's that constant improvement that makes me able to be of better service to others. And then when I'm being in service to other people, if my focus is 100% on them, not in my head about what I got to do tomorrow or what I screwed up yesterday or this or that, just in pure service to that individual, as a coach, if you're coming from that place, you're going to uncover things that no one else can uncover. You're going to help people in places that they didn't even realize they didn't, that they needed help in, right? It's a blind spot for them. And so to me, that idea of self-improvement combined with deep, deep service is the whole point of our firm. And that's what we do, right? Our firm is all about self-improvement, everybody helping each other get better, and then taking that and serving in the community as much as possible. And you haven't mentioned it, but I have to think there's this uh, impact on family life too. Yes. Yeah, I used to be, I used to be a disconnected dad at some level, and it's really neat to watch my kids start to embody the same selflessness that they now see me do. And that's my biggest wish for them. Is number one, I realized in my family life that the more I serve my wife and the more I serve my kids the better our relationship, the happier I am and the happier they are. Uh, so it's almost like a no duh, but yes, this stuff really applies at home. And it's the same thing with your friends. It's the same thing with your communities, your social clubs, your church groups, your whatever is no matter where you are, people are people. And if you're really going to create sustainable relationships that matter, you have to be in service to them. And we all kind of know that, but then we wonder why we have these fights with people and we don't like them and they don't like us. It's because we're thinking about ourselves 
and we're not focusing on them. Because usually when someone's lashing out at us, they're just screaming they're in pain, right? And so we can either take it personal and go react and make them bad and demonize them and then create this war, or we could just, you know, like when my wife gets really upset, I, I don't do it perfectly all the time, but I try to just go put my arms around her and say, what's the matter? Even if it sounds like she's attacking me, it's like, she's not really attacking me. She's feeling something and I just need to love her. And so it's that kind of mindset wherever you go. It's just having a lot of space for people as part of service is being willing to, to love them even when they don't seem lovable or when they're doing mean things to you or whatever. But it's like, it's that mindset that creates joy. The thing for me that's the most gratifying thing about all this is I'm happiest when I'm in service to other people. And if you look across philosophy, that's a pretty common thing. So I don't even talk about happiness much because that's not the point of my book. My point of my book is you can create financial success by serving, but the happiness that comes of being in service to other people, anytime I'm depressed, which isn't very often, but if I do get depressed, my instant trained thing is who can I go help? Because as soon as I pour myself into helping someone else, my whole mindset changes. I get happier and I get to be the beneficiary of my active service. Yeah, that's such a powerful benefit. And, and the other word you use that we don't hear that often in business, but it's there is love. Yes. You know, when we think about being in service to others, caring deeply about them and their well-being and really having a sense of love towards other people, to me, just makes a huge difference in how they respond to us because they sense that caring. Yep. Yep. So I just right. think that everything you have said is just uh, so on target, I think. And I just love your mission to have this kind of an impact on so many people throughout the world because it's so needed. So as we wrap up, Jonathan, thank you so much for your insights, your passion, your commitment to this. And I'd like you to share how people can get your book and also get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more. Ruthlessbook.com is the book website. You can also get it on Amazon. But if you go to ruthlessbook.com, we have lots of free additional resources. Um, if you'd like them, we have video content. We have um, three levels of reinvention. Um, we have all kinds of things that you can download for free. So I'd invite you to go to ruthlessbook.com. And then, you know, for, for those who would like to learn more about the Institute, you can contact us through ruthlessbook.com. You can get there that way as well. But the name of the company is Kaiser, which is shorter, K-E-Y-S-E-R. And so you can go to kaiser.com and there'll be, just, just email us. There'll be a lot, of, a lot of resources up there for you as well. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is we're looking for people to join us in this mission. Whether you come to work for me, whether you hire us, whether you go through the Institute, or whether you just listen to this or inspired and implement this in your own company culture, that's what, that's what would really, that, that's what would make me the most happy is, is then that's why I spend my time doing this, right? Because I want to change the world. I want, like you said, to see a world where people selflessly help each other, regardless of personal gain, understanding it's in their own personal best interest to do so. So thanks again for having me on. And um, it's an honor to, to be here. And I hope that this has an impact on a lot of people. I do too, Jonathan. Well, I will be helping to spread the word when it goes live. Thank you and continue doing your great work. I appreciate you. Thank you, Meredith. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.